Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DMs Anonymous, a member of the Broken Jars podcasting thingy that we do. Uh, we're here to talk about all sorts of stuff relating to being a DM, GM, and uh, you know, Pathfinder, 5e, all your other crazy tabletops because there's a trillion of them. Yeah, there's trillions of them. Uh, we are sponsored by DriveThruRPG. Click the link below to you know help us out. And as always, we got Andreas and Ari with us. How y'all doing today? I'm doing phenomenally, all things considered. I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm tired. I just came home from swimming. Nice. Yeah, uh, soon, soon enough, maybe I'll be swimming too. <laughs> Thank you, Dorian. Yeah, I saw I just got upgraded to Category 5. That's pretty vicious. Oh, fun. Um, I wouldn't know what that what that feels like. I think it, I think it has to have sustained winds of 150 miles an hour to be a Category Five. That and sounds it, about right. It's vicious, whatever it is. I've lived through like a, a, a Category Four, and that wasn't fun. Sustained yeah. winds greater than 157 miles per hour, or 252 kilometers an hour. I think the worst we've ever had here is where it actually qualifies as like. Uh, 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 there are like certain parameters to be met. I, I would guess it might be a category one. Yeah, I don't know if we follow the same parameters, but and that happens that happens once every twenty years. <laughs> yeah, Florida happens pretty much yearly. Exactly. So our topic today is voices and acting, which is always an interesting thing to bring up. And Ari actually has taken has done a lot of voice acting so she's going to be our guide to voices and acting and how to do things properly i know y'all can't say it but i'm giving thumbs up <laughs> so what kind of voices do you even try to do voices and how like how well do you do you do, you do a lot of acting when you're doing npcs or no for the most part uh it largely depends on the character for me the largest thing is more so conveying an attitude than maybe necessarily a voice, but I feel like if I can have a different enough attitude between NPCs that my players are interacting with, it's enough to get that point across. And then on top of that, if I feel it's necessary or if I feel that I can do the voice appropriately, then I will add like Troll war doctor on top of it. Maybe it was something like this, or a crazy old lady, or you know, just like play play around with it, have fun, figure out what works for the character they're interacting. Okay. Yeah, I do some form of voice acting or some form of acting, or with every every character. Some more than others. Some is radically different. Where some it's more speech pattern and such. Mm -hmm. I generally try to make NPC that they interact with. Unique. So I mean, that's some. I mean, I'm not skilled, so some of them kind of just bleed together. But I try. <laughs> I try for the most part. I tend to describe the voice instead of actually trying to act it out. Because like I always, for some reason, I always end up being like, uh, you know, up a, a poo from uh, The Simpsons whenever I try to do a voice for whatever reason. It comes out <laughs> as like terrible Indian uh, cartoon voice. Welcome to my store. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> and so you know a lot so what i'll try to do is like describe the voice you know and then not actually try to do it and like also like trying to do like a female voice is really difficult for me so i'm like i don't know how to do that so i don't even try for the most part yeah that's definitely fair and like you definitely have to uh, just stay in your comfort range uh when voice acting like obviously don't do anything that's going to hurt 
especially over long periods of time. But um, I mean, honestly, if you're just in the shower or getting ready in the morning, just talk to yourself in a character voice. Just see, like, have one of your NPCs in mind and think, okay, what's something that this character is going to say to uh, my player's next session? And just say a couple lines and try and get that voice down if you want to give that character. I actually practice voices pretty much every time when I'm standing washing my hands, just standing there looking myself in the mirror. I start Glad doing, I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing voices for you. For characters. Man, the people y'all live with must think y'all are weird. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Both of them are, are players in a game. They, If they notice, I think they understand. Yeah, I, I don't know. Voices are always is, is one of those hard things, especially like you don't want to like do a voice and be racist about it either. So that's, that's another reason yeah. I get scared about doing voices. I don't know if that's a big thing over in you know Europe, but there's definitely some racial implications to certain voices and voice traits that can be pretty bad. Uh, one other thing that I found helps is just if you're trying to do like an accent, um, listening to other people speaking like who actually have that accent uh, definitely helps to try and avoid getting into like the racial stereotypes of that accent. Uh, if you want to go that far, but um, uh, just like when I was doing voice acting in college, that was, um, there are a couple of really great resources you can, um, I can give the links that we can put it down below. There are, uh, there's an entire website that has um, like multiple people from around the world have donated their voices and it has every phoneme that exists in the English language. Uh, so it, it's a huge compilation. So we'll put it down below if that's something you're interested in looking to. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check that out for sure. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, so what is what are some things that like like do you have any tips or tricks for like you know especially when an imp- you just got to make one up? Do you have like a go to thing? Do you feel like you have a go to dialect for a certain race? Kind of like. Or do do all your elves kind of sound the same? Like, how do you how do you handle all that? Uh, well, what I my my dwarves all uh, all Scottish. <laughs> uh, and I, like I kind of fall into that too. <laughs> and I do I like doing it so much that sometimes it bleeds into other characters by accident. <laughs> no, I definitely kind of fall into the uh, similar thing. Um, usually. For me, um, I mean, again, um, uh, I largely focus on like kind of the age of the character first so that I know if I need to get into my crotchety old uh, lady voice or if I need to have like something smaller, softer for a younger character. And then I'll kind of either slip into an accent or um, get louder or softer depending on uh, what's exactly needed. Um, maybe, maybe not so much accents per se, because that's like, on one hand, it might help to note like a character is from this location or might have this background, but, um, I try and not, not so much stay away from accents, but try and use other parts of voice acting to inform the characters, uh, inform the players with this character. 
yeah, like is it, it's, it's. I try to like stick like do like, like uh, all the things you said. Like uh, uh, a kid might speak more softly, uh, a female more softly than a male. Depending, and then I try to think about their like a little like who they are and where they're from. That like kind of determines how I try and. Um, yeah, exactly. And then sometimes when it's like when you just have to make someone up like on the spot. Like I was I was playing for the first first session of my new campaign yesterday, and Ooh. they. The one of the players like got some extra money, so he's like, "I want one of them AI smartphones. I'm going to like going to Walmart, or, like see what they got." And it's like I had to, so I had to make up four different like standard AIs on the spot for each phone, and I wanted <laughs> them to be different because like they had already been doing one AI because one of the players already had such. A, so I was doing Siri, which is like a happy-go-lucky girl. Then I had to make. I made up a guy called uh, AI called Alex, which is like a <laughs> cowboy. Oh <laughs> my I had gosh. To on the spot. Yes. Uh, and I did like uh, Bio, which was like uh, just like completely robotic AI. And then I did also did. Uh, uh, he was like, okay, so, okay, I'll, I'll buy the Bio, but I want to change the AI. What what are the options? Yeah. Well, there are tons of DLCs. What do you want? I was saying, uh, fuck, fuck. Is there something like Jarvis? Yeah, there's actually one called Jarvis. So now his phone is Jarvis. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely yeah definitely having like other characters to draw inspiration from is uh huge uh, yeah uh i mean if you want to look at great voice acting and examples of great voice acting in general in a role play game but you can't live up to that standard it's just like look at critical role yep uh, i mean their their dungeon master alone is like he's so good at it and the players too it's so great yeah i mean that's what they're i mean that's his job exactly I mean, but I mean, how that's how he basically the reason he works with that is because he was like, it's through Dungeons and Dragons, right? That's how he realized that, like, I'm good at this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's got almost 400 credits for different types of mostly voice acting. Yeah, it's, it's insane. I don't know how many different voices in their game alone on camera, but it's got to be hundreds. Oh, yeah, easily. And like, just be, to be able to keep track of those voices, like, uh, I'm kind of getting to the point in uh, some of my games, like I'm having to like make a note, like okay, you gave this NPC this voice. Remember that because your characters are going to hunt this person down again, and you're not going to remember what they sounded like. Yeah, that's definitely a uh, good advice. It's like when you have to make okay, when you make an NPC, write some like uh, we call them stick or uh, keywords, just about like who what they sound like. Uh, and when you make up a character on the spot, write it down as well there so you can reference it back later because your players will go back to the most random NPC that you don't think they'll ever go back to, and they will remember what it sounded like. So if you do it wrong, they're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? That's not Jonathan. That doesn't sound like Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I just find it amusing that you use the name Jonathan because that's... <laughs> I, I find it funny that you use the name Jonathan because that's actually the name of an NPC in my game. Oh no! Was it one you had to make up? My- it, it's, it's a prepared one. <laughs> That's like typical. Had the first, my players are like I, I, two of the NPCs. Nathan the players. Nathan and Brian. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> oh gosh, no! I have a I have a, a player character named Tegan and a, and a major NPC named Tegan. I was like, oh no! And I like warned him beforehand. I was like, hey, you can use this character name, but just know that like there's another character. In place who already has that name, so it's worked so far. So Tegan with an A and Tegan with an E, or 
fish sticks, but how? What are the odds? <laughs> exactly. Uh, if if y'all wanted some other good like people talking about voice acting, um, the there's a early in the Fat Man on Batman Kevin Smith podcast series. Yeah. He talks with he talks with Mark Hamill about how he does all his voices, and it's really interesting stuff. I think James Master, I, I James, hmm. he doesn't he doesn't charge the voices, but he does different. I can carry even mm-hmm. though but his intonation, intonation, uh, and man and manner the voice. It's like I don't. That's Murphy. That's Harry. That's Harry. That's Thomas. Mm-hmm. Thomas and Harry sound very similar, but I can't. Right. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, that's something like uh, speech patterns can play such a huge role, even if you don't change your voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's not like he tries to go hype. He really changes his voices. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, uh, but other than that, like a lot of them, it's like it's, it's very subtle, but very, let's say it's way more acting than many other voice acts. If I can just also, yeah, yeah. if you don't feel comfortable a lot, just those small things, if you can think about them. And do them completely is very, very big. Like being, Absolutely. A, being a little bit more breathy or a little faster, a little slower, maybe just dropping the G for like, you know, or, you know, fixing to instead of fixing to, or, you know, that just changes things a lot. I'm fixing for a fight here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, like using contractions versus not using contractions. Um, trying to think of like other little things. Uh, yeah, there, there's plenty that you can do to, uh, like, aside from just straight up changing your voice. Right. Uh, y- y'all want to get into some uh, mailbag questions? Let's go. All right. So most of these come from the Discord, which I, there should be a link in the show notes if y'all want to join up. Uh, so from Bourbon Baccarat, I really need to get these guys' real names. But why does everyone voice their goblins like Stitch? Everyone voices their goblins like Stitch? Apparently. I, th- I think the uh, the easiest one is easiest reason is because we've all heard it. And we it's something we can relate to instead of having to try and make a voice up. Yeah, no, I was gonna pretty much say along those lines, just the uh, cultural. Uh, I guess pretty much what you said, like the culture around goblins in D anD. d Everybody voices their goblins that way. Everyone is going to hear that and begin voicing their goblins that way. <laughs> How do I do my goblins? Now I'm, now I'm thinking. I'm, now I'm self self conscious about it. Let's see. Uh, uh, no, that's more my kobold. I think my, my kobold sounds more like Stitch actually than my goblin. My goblins are more growly. I think my kobolds are way more Stitch now. I think I've only had like two goblins in any of the games that I've run who have actually spoken and not been absolute cannon fodder. Uh, I think I just do a little more like this to just like more raspy, maybe not so much stitch, but gosh, no, like something like it's something, the, something yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was very wicked witch of the west, and you little <laughs> dog, too, and you little dog, too. <laughs> so, uh, here's another one from the same guy Is the Matt Mercer effect doing more damage than the good that it's doing by increasing the popularity? Uh, like Critical Role and other things. You know, Critical Roles really help push the game to uh, new heights of popularity. But I have seen a lot of people talking like, because, you know, it is so... I mean, it's a professional show, right? I mean, it's really high-end. And so when people, if that's their first experience with D&D or some kind of other tabletop and they go to, like, just a normal person DMing, it can look really bad. Like, there's definitely been many a meme on Reddit about how, like, Oh, you you don't sound as good as Matt Mercer does. Yeah. Well, I, I oh, go ahead. 
I mean, I think that that it's doing way, way, way more good than it's doing harm. Uh, Agreed. Uh, like by magnitudes, I do think. I think the the, the only damage I really see is that p- potential GMs or players, for that matter, who watch that and then tries to hold themselves to that standard, they're gonna have a bad time. Uh, but I also think that you know, hopefully, they listen to what Matt and the players say very, very often is that they do voices for a living. Matt's been playing for twenty plus years. You can't hold yourself to the same standard. It's, but I would say even with that, even when if, if we say that it does do some damage, some people stop playing or don't get a good experience because it's not as good as they as as what they saw on Critical Role. It's still doing way, way, way more. But like way more people are playing, and it's way and it's I mean it's way more acceptable. Like they're like like it's it's doing so much good. I think I absolutely agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, because I mean it like I don't think that. I mean, people who are coming into this game for the first time, especially because of Critical Role, I don't think that all of, I mean, definitely not all of them are coming in expecting, like, all of my games are going to have this high production value of a professional show put out by professional voice actors. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about having fun. So I think that as long as people are having fun with the game, whether or not it lives up to those expectations, then, I mean, obviously more good is being done. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I, I wouldn't be playing role-playing games like this if it paper if it wasn't for Critical Role. I tried it before, like back when I was a teenager, and it was, I tried it once, and it was like, eh, this was not really a good experience. I didn't really enjoy it. And then I tried it again a couple of years before Critical Role became a thing, where we pl- where where I, I tried it for a couple of months with some friends. Uh, again, like, I kind of got to like the conclusion: this is not really for me. And then you know, I watched Critical Role. And was like this, like this is like this is like a really cool experience. And that's kind of where where I re- like realized what why I probably wasn't enjoying it was because I think I was just better suited to being a dungeon master or game mm-hmm. master than being a player. And I realized that from watching Critical Role and listening to what Matt told about it. So if it wasn't for Critical Role, I wouldn't be playing. Hmm. Yeah. I admittedly only got, like, I because I've been playing tabletop games for, like, a decade at this point-ish, I think. Uh, time is weird. Um, but I only started listening to, like, the Adventure Zone and Critical Role because they were big and, big for the tabletop community. I was like, huh, I play tabletop games. These are some tabletop game uh, podcasts. I might as well start listening to them. They look like a lot of fun. I never listened to all of Campaign 1. I'm like at fi- episode 50 of Campaign 2. Uh, yeah. I kind I'm- of fell off again, <laughs> but it's, it's such a time investment. Yeah, no, I'm super far behind on everything. Uh, I'll admit I've only watched like two episodes. Like it's too hard for me to follow. <laughs> like you got it because it's, there's so much going on. You got to be invested. If your mind oh, wanders, yeah, you get absolutely. lost. And you know, like yeah. and what they average yeah. like three to four hours an episode. And, oh, easily. Yeah, easily. yeah. yeah. No. It's it, uh, average episode is three and four hours. The long ones goes to like six, almost seven. Oh, yeah. No, the only reason why I've been able to keep up with uh, Campaign 2 is because of the recap episodes that uh, Danny Carr puts out. Because those are just like four to seven minutes and recaps the entire episode with clips. And so it keeps you updated on the story. You might not 
get like all of the funny inside jokes that happen during the game, but you're still getting like the meat of the story. And I, I guess it also depends on like, what are you watching this uh, show for? Are you watching for the story for like every minute interaction? So on and so forth. Yeah. I think it's also done a lot of good with the industry it's helped create. You're sort oh, of like tertiary. Cause I don't think you have stuff like Puffin Forest or Joe Cat without them going, hey, look, this is viable. Or like uh, the Taking 20 guy, you know, he was able to like quit his job and do that full time now and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I mean, just, if you just look at like the, 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 everything that's sprouting up around it, also uh, Matt Colville's book and his show and one of the biggest kickstarted projects ever is Critical Role fans who wants to see an animated TV show. Like, mm-hmm. there's just there's so much like cool cool stuff coming out from from this one oh, thing. Yeah. Like when I I started to watch pretty early on, like before uh, Orion Akaba left, uh, mm-hmm. and I had like when I watched it back then, like, I couldn't imagine like, like just like just like they say often they can how how huge it's gotten <laughs> i'm just remembering like their dumbfounded expressions when they uh pass surpassed their goal like in the first like hour i was something. not even i was not even surprised they're just so fucking they're fucking humble like sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. they're so humble like i was not surprised but they were just like they were dumbfounded yeah mm-hmm. so look at that right now they were going for 750k and they got oh, 1.4 yeah. million. Oh yeah it was like what 15x what they were go- shooting for <laughs> Yeah. the industry exists imagine that well i was actually read it was in the it was in the tulsa world there was this big write-up on like how D is getting really popular in high schools around the area mm-hmm. and they're like yeah the the one thing they never expected to happen is it got popular <laughs> like really yeah. Popular. oh yeah it, you know, with stuff like Click Critical Role and the other stuff that sprout out, it's really easy to like yeah. teach somebody the game now because they can just like watch a 20 minute youtube the basics of Pathfinder, 5e, or whatever. Oh, yeah. So here's another one from Boutique. What's a good minimalist checklist for things to know about a character to be able to improv as as that MP? Uh, Race, gender, age are my three go-to. I'll build everything off of that. Depending on how important, would say if it's like an important NPC, I would also usually have like an idea of motivation, like go not so much your voice acting, but what you. But if it's just like a random, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I also there's a couple of really good generators out there I use, like um, NPC for hire. Like it'll give you name, race, sex, and like their how they feel towards the party in a brief description description of them so it's really easy to just like pull something out randomly like that yeah i've used something similar not that one but something similar just like quickly generating npc i've also done like where i generated names and i had them in documents for each mm-hmm. it was like dwarves and then and then so on and so forth for everything so when they ran into one I could, I could go in and grab a name uh and then i expanded that with some some descriptions of each of them like randomly generated from a website and then i just saved it down for when i needed it right yeah yeah i i try to keep all my npcs in like an excel you know name race whatever defining like where they met the party because i forget that kind of stuff too i mean yeah yeah yeah, that's why Um, that's why it's show notes show session notes are important 
Right. You, it's actually a good idea So once you're done or while you're playing. While you're playing, when your players are interacting and not doing anything, write down things that's happened so you can always ref- reference back to it later. Yep. I, like I, every time I'm playing a game, whether I'm a player or I am DM, I'll have my session notes open and then I'll have a blank document just to write everything down. Be it funny quotes, be it actually important information, who knows what's going to wind up in my stinking uh, uh, document. That reminds me, I've gotten more strict with my players with that. Like, it's up to you to remember the information you get. So like, for example, name of NPCs and stuff like that uh things they have to find or like for example they had to the quest they were on yesterday that they're still on so um one of my players watches this team if you're watching uh, this episode uh, stop listening now <laughs> uh, <laughs> they are they're on a quest to uh so they have to find a an etherosphere and uh eclipses which they have found now to drive out a uh, a demon possession it's like an urban fantasy kind of setting uh, mm-hmm. and uh, they've gotten that but they kept forgetting or made, fucking up the name of the sphere it's like it's up to you to remember like, you gotta write it down and that's it. they're just not having it they hate writing down <laughs> like, <laughs> like that yeah uh, usually when I'm player I'm usually the main one writing down notes like I know other people kind of take notes as well but like I will specifically ask the DM okay how do you spell this character's name just to make sure that we don't screw it up down the line? So, um, but I, I'm kind of the same way. Like if the players forget something, then uh, depending on what system we're using too, I might allow them to roll like just a flat intelligence check to see if their character would remember. It reminds me of, as uh, we spoke both for the role before, it reminds me of in campaign two, uh, their wizard, the uh, Caleb. Caleb. Yeah, he's taken that uh, feature where it's like he has he has perfect recall for the last month or yep. something. So all yep. the time he's like, I know Liam doesn't know, Caleb knows. Matthew, perfect recall. What was that again? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's incredibly useful. <laughs> great, great meta gaming by the player who's like, mm-hmm. I know, I will forget. However, I can make the GM remember for me. <laughs> But since it is a feature, I also feel like when other people are like, well, what's that name? It's like, if you don't remember, you don't remember. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. it's free feet. Pretty much, yep. Where, were we? Where did we start this? <laughs> Minimalist checklist of things to know about a character to be able to improv at that NPC. I think we answered that question and then went on a tangent. Yes. <laughs> we're great at that. Yeah. Uh, here's one. His name is Teach Today handle uh how do you run two npcs talking to one another without breaking immersion i'll generally like do the whole like one npcs like talking one direction you know back and forth so there's some kind of visual cue as to which npc is which i usually have you know they sound distinct usually and then some people can tell by it like that i also tend to like kind of physically act kind of so you can tell it different the characters i just i don't really think about the physical part it just kind of happens uh so I don't think it's I don't think it's is it is it immersion breaking when you when two NPCs interact it doesn't happen that much for me but it does happen yeah it really doesn't happen uh, to me either um, since my games are pretty much exclusively run through uh, uh, through online because we are spread out um, 
uh, I don't really use a whole lot of physicality uh, to dis um, differentiate between NPCs, but uh, like Andreas said, I try and focus more on making sure that the voices are distinct enough to uh, show the players, hey, these are two separate people talking. And if the voices are similar enough, then I might actually have, like, I might say a dialogue tag, like, um, Sidel turns to uh, Valish and says, and then give it, and then Valish responds, X, Y, Z. I wish we could follow up with the person who, uh, who asked the question, because I really, I can't think of how it's immersion breaking. Like, I want them to elaborate. But okay, we'll uh, find out uh, next time we record. Can yeah. uh, have that follow up and get back. Because like, I'm interested to what, what they like, what they mean. Because maybe there's something I haven't noticed in my game. So maybe they're like I'm immersion breaking, but I just don't know it. I mean, maybe uh, like you can probably ask your players um, if it's immersion breaking for them. But I, I'm kind of in the same. But I don't entirely see how it'd be immersion breaking, especially if you're, you know, having different enough. Uh, characters speaking from another. Maybe the maybe the person will listen and try, and I'll maybe I'll check with my players too, see what the if like what they think. Yeah, I don't really. It doesn't happen a lot for me, I guess. Now that I think about. Uh, let's see what else we have here. So, is doing a voice for a character a necessity or more of a flavor thing? I think it's more of a flavor. Definitely more of a flavor. Because mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like it might definitely it, it definitely adds to like the fun of it if you can uh, do the voice in a way that adds, but it's definitely not absolutely necessary. Right, uh, it, it is flavor, but I will say I think it's important flavor. Oh, definitely. It add a lot, but you don't need it if you're not good at it. If you're not if you're not comfortable with it, I mean, I would suggest you practice it and you like it because it can really do a lot. But if you don't want to, then you can still have a good game, Dungeons and Dragons or whatever else you're playing. Absolutely agreed. Y'all ready to get to the item of the week? Let's do it. All right. So the item of the week, I suggested, okay, find two items that you can do something really cool with that work together that someone might not have thought about. So Ari, do you have your two items and like the crazy things they can do? Uh, give me two minutes and I'll get back to you because I have it in like a Word document somewhere and I hoped I saved it. Yeah, so for me, what I, my two items are one, a bag of holding, which everyone knows, and two, a mirror of life trapping. So with the mirror of life trapping, uh, any creature other than you that sees its reflection, the activated mirror while within 30 feet of it must succeed a roll or be trapped along with anything it is wearing or carrying uh, in one of the mirror's 12 extra-dimensional cells. The saving da -da. Uh, creatures trapped in the mirror's cells don't age, don't need to eat, drink, or sleep. Uh, a creature, yeah. So basically, you could put all these um, creatures into these cells and then put the mirror into a bag of holding, and then all of a sudden you can like, you could effectively go infinitely deep where you know mirrors inside of bags inside of mirrors inside of bags so you could but we this, need to go deeper <laughs> so you could have like you could sneak an entire army in to like a castle with one with one bag of holding oh my gosh that sounds about as broken as the uh, uh the peasant uh mag rifle uh because it's a swift action to pass an item to another character so if you just line up 
a bunch of peasants, give them a metal stake and just have them pass it from one to another, technically speaking, with rules as written, because it's a swift action, you can accelerate it over the course of six seconds and uh, build up enough speed to hopefully kill whatever you're up against, but that's just slightly broken. It's silly. Uh, the one I thought of, well, thought of, this was a story I was told by one of my players. I don't even remember if he did it or he heard about it. It was uh, a Milika monk, I think, a monk who had fire resistant magic gloves. They like they were immune to fire, and he put uh, like alchemical fire on them and he punched with fire. Hmm. Uh, uh, I was in a game a while ago where that was actually the entire. Uh, idea behind one of the other players and it was just like buffing everybody else to give them um, elemental damage on top of their regular attacks for, for the melee fighters at least all right so I think I found the right document um, the one that I found was um, it's the item it's the item that uh, it's usually like a hat or a headband of uh, disguised self coupled with anything that can give you a constant mind blank effect because um, it's the perfect way to uh, protect against true sight and anybody passing their will save with the mind blank because if they have true sight, hopefully they won't pass, uh, they won't be able to see through the uh, mind blank as well. But uh, if they're just a normal person, they uh, they can't see through the disguised self. Um, so it, it's just the kind of like that added layer of protection. And I will admit, I am currently using that in one of my games. I've never really used or had any of my player use or ask about mind blanks. So I don't even really know what it is. Uh, so pretty much you can, uh, the player has to succeed on a will save or um, this is for Pathfinder, obviously, um, uh, in order to see through it. But basically what it does is um, it alters the player's perception of one thing. So whether it be the appearance of somebody or if uh, uh, just that somebody is there at all, it might be a smell, uh, a taste. Um, I can go look up the exact... Uh, rules on it. Um, here we go. Uh, subject is protected from all devices and spells that gather information about the target through divination magic. Spell also grants plus eight resistance uh, bonus on saving throws against all mind-affecting spells and effects. Uh, mind blank foil, uh, even foils limited wish, miracle, and wish spells when they are used in such a way to gain information about the target. In the case of scrying that scans the area the creature is in, such as arcane eye, this spell works, but the creature simply is not protected. Scrying attempts that scrying attempts that are targeted specifically at the subject do not work at all. Uh, I need so, to remember that one. <laughs> definitely, because uh, when I was typing it in, it does look like there is a five e version. I'll double check on yeah, that. Yeah, there though. there is some kind of uh, I know that there's some kind of five e version for that. Uh, yep, excellent. It's just. I just imagine my players like just being really high level, and they want to scry and find the big bad or something, and like mm -hmm. it doesn't work. Okay, we'll use one of our wishes, and then they only get basic information. Oh, they're gonna be pissed. <laughs> no, uh, last 
session, uh, they were scrying that my players were scrying to find, you know, like their missing friend. So I was like, okay, uh, roll to scry. And the orphan who's in the party, who is now like a full on Oracle, um, rolled pretty much a, it was like a 19 and passed the will save by one point. So she got to see full on what their friend actually looks like. And, oh no, that's, uh, that's definitely not what he actually, uh, he is, uh, definitely, uh, appearing different to them than, uh, he, uh, actually is. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. (laughs) We get to resolve that today. Oh boy. Yeah. If anyone from my campaign is listening, stop. (laughs) So one of the players is actually a changeling who is working against the party because changelings hate humans in this universe. Well, changelings hate everything that isn't them. So so that that is going to be a fun reveal when they figure out that he's not the elf that he's been. I love it. Well, will he... I don't know if you uh, if you know what the player's thinking, but is there a chance that he'll grow to like the party? Uh, I don't know. That's kind of up to or him. Or is he just going to kill them in their sleep? No, it, it's it's much more of a subtle, like, oh, no, I missed with my arrow, kind of. like <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's more of a passive, like, just screwing up things to try and get the party killed. That's going to be fun. And I've not noticed yet that he like does he sometimes hits them instead, or is he just like oh he didn't hit the enemies or he just did hit the enemy, whatever. We're still pretty early in, so it hasn't really been huge yet. Mm-hmm. Or you know he suggests like hey we should totally split the party, you know. That kind of stuff. <laughs> oh no! I, I think it was because of him that the party ended up well they ended up splitting and basically got into packs with every mob boss in the city. Oh nice. And they all awesome. want the same thing. And so once they find this magical item, it's going to be up to them to figure out which one of the mob bosses to return it to and which one, you know, to run from and maybe, you know, try not to get killed from. <laughs> or, you know, keep it yourself and become the uh, next mob. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously, yes. Obviously. Clearly. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to our next session. We're finally getting into, like, the, the really starting the meat of the campaign next session. Nice. Yeah. No, I, uh, just with what you said before, I absolutely adore working one-on-one with players to like flesh out the world and flesh out their characters so that I can bring that stuff in later on. Cause like you think that it would be just common knowledge, like, Hey, you know, give the DM your character's backstory, give them like something to work with, but I don't always get that. Right. Um, but it, cause it definitely, one, it adds to the game for me because I love seeing the look of absolute horror on their faces when I bring their backstory in. And two, like it, I feel like it makes the world feel more lived in and more relevant to the players. Right. And that's one reason I really enjoy doing like microscope to get the game started. Cause they have a say in how the world is built. Exactly. I guess we could start wrapping things up. Uh, Thanks for listening. Please click on the Patreon link below to support us if you don't want to buy stuff through DriveThruRPG. Um, thanks for coming out, and we'll see you next time. Until the next time. Broken Charles, XYZ.
just Woo! check us out. You can email, email us, brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at, at Jacob Ingalls. Ari's on there. The links are below. There's so much crap to remember to actually say <laughs> that I forget. <laughs> hmm, it's like you should uh, make, make it a sticky note or something. <laughs> no, I know I should. You're fine. You're fine. Well, you expect uh, me to prep for sessions and a podcast? What do you think I have? What do you think I'm just made of time? Oh, no, it's far too much to ask. <laughs> All right, we will see y'all next time.